Welcome to another round, the podcast that gives you an insight into brewing. My name is, as always, Yunidar, and uh, with me all the way from uh, Hunan, China, uh, we are going to talk to the master brewer of uh, Nine Rivers Distillery Company and the brewing consultant of Asian Beer Network, uh, Neil Playfoot. Welcome to the to the podcast. Well, thank you much, very much for the invite and. Uh... Thank you straight away for the, the plug as well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's not, uh, as, as people might, might hear, uh, you, you don't, you, your English is, is pretty darn good. And that's not uh, by coincidence. You are actually from the place that invented English, uh, the, uh, the UK's. So, so how, how did you get into to brewing? Okay. So, yeah, sure. So I was at school and I was supposed to go to university. Um, to do business with French, then when you're 17 years old, you don't you don't really know what you want to do. You know what I mean? You get you get pushed into certain certain areas. So I came up with this idea, and then one day there's um some people came to 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 our school and said, oh you can do this at university, you can do this at university, and then they said, oh you can even study beer at university. My yeah. friend turned around to me. He was like, that's what you need to do. And I looked at him and I was like, you know what? You're right. So, so I literally rode off to 200, 250 different breweries in, in the UK. Um, mm. And that was before you had the internet. So I literally was posting off these right. letters. And um, a couple of people mm, wrote back to me and said, maybe. So there was, a, fortunately, another brewery in London that was actually making lager. And I went over. Mm. I went there for a day and they said, oh, do you want to have a job? And I said, fine. And I started off um, working on the bottling line, cleaning the tanks. And it was like a old-fashioned apprenticeship really yeah. um and yeah you kind of learning from the bottom and 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 so doing all the manual tasks and then slowly learning how to do the the actual brewing was i thought a good way to to learn learn brewing and mm. that allowed me to then um go to other places and you know travel around so obviously I ended up in france and brewed there for a while and uh, just taking me around the world and been brewing for about 27 years now yeah, you were in. Uh, you you went uh, to to France. I see. There is also Bermuda on your list of of countries where you've been brewing, which is not something you see uh, every day. Uh, and of course, then back in um, in two thousand and eleven, uh, you went to to China. How how did that come about? Was it just uh, your uh, your desire for exploration within uh, in within brewing or? Uh, Anything particular reason why you, you ended up in China, which is not a very, and especially not at that time, a very developed craft beer uh, mm-hmm. uh, country, at least. Yeah. Um, by that point, as I said, I've been to been to Bermuda, um, and that's a very small island, about sixty thousand people. In fact, they call it sixty thousand alcoholics clinging to a rock, um, <laughs> and uh, they also have uh, they also have the most. I think they have the most. Uh, churches per per capita so i used to like to think that they um drank in the week and sinned and then repented on a <laughs> sunday um but a beautiful place but then after a while i just kind of wanted to do something else and uh i'd always had the idea of going up to asia i mean back then the world was a a little bit larger and i had these ideas about asia china in general but i'd never really ex- experienced them and um and there was a couple of British guys that had had a small um, brew pub, 300 liters in uh, Yunnan, which is far to the south. It's near like the Myanmar border. And so I literally had a, a Skype conversation with them because I saw the 
the um, job advertised, had a 50 minute conversation with them. And they said, oh, do you want to do you want to come to China and try it out? So two weeks later, I literally <laughs> flew to Yunnan and just started started working. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, the first two, three months, I didn't know what I was eating most of the time because mm. I was just pointing at something. And, and then, as I tell lots of people, I went to China for an adventure and ended up with a family. So mm. I've kind of made my life um, in this part of the world now. Yeah, you've been there for uh, for uh, well over a decade now, and uh, things have changed. Uh, well, of course, in in the world, but also in China when it comes to to beer, I can imagine. But which such a, a vast country um, mm -hmm. with that many inhabitants, um, how many percentage of the of the of the Chinese do you reckon even know the term craft beer? <laughs> um. It's it's becoming more of a term now. So, like when I came over a decade ago, I would say there was probably maybe twenty, thirty craft breweries in, in China. Maybe I certainly was the only brewer probably in Yunnan making beer on a on a small scale. You just had like the the beers like Snow, which is the number one, and the one that most people have heard is Qingdao because they do a bit more exporting. I know you can get it in in London. I don't know if you can get it in uh, Norway or Oslo if you've ever seen yeah. it there. You yep. get it here as well. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, over the period of like 10 years, we've definitely seen it grow. And then probably in its peak just before COVID, you probably maybe one, two breweries a month, no, a week, maybe a month were, were were opening up. And then you decided to see in in supermarkets, people, uh, other like local Chinese breweries started to put craft onto their, onto their bottles and whatnot. So there is definitely... Um, it's slowly worming its way into the, you know, the the, the language of, of of China, but it still would say a small percentage. Like my mm. my family, which are from a small village, or my sorry, my wife's family, which is in a small village um, in a place called Jiangxi. You know, they wouldn't associate craft as 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 a as, as a term to beer, but they mm. if they try my beer, they can definitely tell the difference between that and what they they would drink regularly, but yeah. still craft is a very small percentage of the market and maybe two, 3%, but that could, that could include like the debt and things like that, which other people wouldn't class as craft, but it's still classed as craft here because it's different to what they have, have locally. It's still a long way to go to get to like the 27 up to 30% that you'll ever see in the U S um, mm. people, People were hoping they get there, and there's still, you know, as maybe you talk about later, that some of the bigger players here are looking to get into craft as well because they see the opportunity. But it's 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 been a little bit resistant, and I don't think the recent COVID issues we had in China sort of helped help with that either. So um, yes, you you are brewing, but also you you went a little bit into uh, to work with uh, Anhauser Busch in Bev. Uh, and this just furthers the the point you're you're making in terms of the um, the market is is big in China, but maybe a little bit a little bit hard. Uh, what do you think would be a um, a way to succeed for a uh, for a uh, someone exporting to China? Um, it's 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 really quite a difficult market to understand over here. Um, Honestly, it would require, say if a brewery, say if a brewery in Oslo, in Norway, uh, wanted to 
export its beer to China, um, they would probably have to start making some some partnerships with somebody in China because it's it's a vast country. So distribution distribution is is one of the biggest challenges, and there are established um, distribution networks in China. So you'd need to work with a partner within the country. So you would probably have to go over meet, um, do that the, the the business meeting thing, and then come to an agreement, and then figure out how to send just ship your beer across, and then work with your partner to 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 get it into a particular to particular markets. It's 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 really quite a hard and hard market to fathom if you're just coming in from from the outside for sure. Can, and that's what a lot of people do. They end up working with a partner in China. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's 9.6 million square kilometers is a huge, uh, huge country. So uh, it, it it makes sense, uh, <laughs> I think. And and, and of course, uh, a little bit of a, a plug as well for for Asian Beer Network because this is something you have started a little bit on the side of of brewing, from my understanding, to sort of help both uh, Chinese companies but also mm-hmm. um, foreign con- um, companies to. Uh, sort of connect uh, mainly around um, mainly around um, equipment, from my understanding, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So three years ago, just before um, COVID shut down China, um, I came back with my family to China because I was in Armenia on a project there for a while. And then, obviously, with everything being shut down, it was the the opportunities when it came to actually brewing were quite difficult. Mm. So I realized. I probably have to think of an idea and pivot into something else. And a lot of the time I'd actually had people starting to come to me because of my experience in China before, like asking about equipment. Um, obviously, by that point, I've been brewing for nearly 25 years. So people asking about processing and how to do certain things if they had issues in the brewery. Mm. And so I thought, why not use that and actually establish something properly? So thanks to my, with my help and my wife, um, set up a Asian beer network. And so what I do now is um, a lot of the equipment for brewing is made in China. And so many breweries around the world, when looking to uh, plan a brewing project, um, need to source equipment from China. And obviously there's hundreds of different um, equipment companies here. So it's quite hard to pick the right one. Um, mm. Obviously, with my experience, I can I can help people. You know, depending on their budget, and what their needs are, and then find the the best um, equipment supplier that, that that can suit their needs, and then just help people basically walk them through the process. And then at the same time, if other people have got technical or other or need help with some kind of brewing issue, I can I can do that as well. And mm. now um, it's easier to travel again. I might have a few projects where I travel to different parts of Southeast Asia and help on projects there as well. Can actually go in okay. person. So that's a nice thing. Of course, that will be uh, another really, really long podcast episode. <laughs> But if you <laughs> if you were to give just a few advice in terms of uh, if you are a brewer or someone who wants to purchase uh, fermentation equipment from. Uh, from china what what is some of the the good advices that you can give just um trying to keep it within one hour of talk sure <laughs> yeah sorry I'm sure I, there, it's very vast <laughs> yeah it can be um hey really do your homework i know it sounds obvious but understand exactly what you need like the scope of the brewery the sizing of the brewery um 
and when and when you're sourcing something you, you you need to be quite particular about what you want to to you know what you put in is what you get out um so so understand exactly what kind of process you want and then if you're looking for a breweries you, you really need to do your research to find uh the, the right supplier basically mm. that's 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 the main aims it's just it's all in the preparation and doing your due diligence um setting yourself right to be successful for the for the long term mm. i mean that's um uh, that's maybe something that we are a little bit spoiled with when it comes to purchasing in um in uh, uh, in Europe is the fact that usually you can uh, almost just open a catalog from a manufacturer and then you know what kind of quality you're getting uh, because there are not that many manufacturing mm-hmm. I mean which means that the, their their quality have to be um, as high as possible to uh, charge that uh, premium price every time but uh, it's a little bit different when you have a country with plenty of manufacturers like like China and uh, you, I, I can only assume that you can get uh, in every aspect of um, of quality and price range uh, when it comes to uh, uh, manufacturers from from china yeah it's so what you tend to happen is somebody may work in a company for five six years and then they split off and then they have their own company mm. and um yeah i i'm getting approached by new manufacturing companies all the time so there's 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 lots of them out there um And the two main areas are Jinan in Shandong and Nimbo, which is near Shanghai. And in general, um, Ningbo is known as the higher quality equipment, um, although um, Jinan is getting up there now. Um, but obviously, the Ningbo suppliers are a little bit more expensive. But as a quick rule of thumb for anybody listening, that's the accepted wisdom within the manufacturing, um, mm. brewing equipment manufacturing in, in China. Yeah, got it, got it. All right, then uh, I have a little bit of a, a, a question for you as well because uh, what one of the pleasures that I have with uh, doing this podcast is I get to talk to to brewers, to people in the in the fermentation industry all over the world. Everyone has their different kind of um, uh, backgrounds, of course, but also a little bit of the different kind of cultures when it comes to food and drink and how they approach creating uh, beer or cider or uh, whatnot to the market. So. I'm a little bit wondering with with a country like China, what, where can, uh, where can quote unquote the the rest of the world uh, learn from the traditions that you are trying to to um, uh, bring forward in terms of your production um, or uh, your product development and uh, and your approach to the market. Is there anything that is very different uh, in your experience from the Chinese market compared to to other markets? In the approach, uh, yeah, I mean that's a really interesting one. It's one that I've I've been thinking about for a long time. Usually, you like the, the 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 knowledge, the how do I say it? The experimentation kind of flows from west to east when it comes to um, brewing in China. Um, a lot of the craft breweries, rather than the big breweries, they tend to follow the the leads from mm. from what's being made in America and other places. So. Um, New England IPAs and hazy IPAs first established in, in in America. Then maybe four or five months later, we're starting to see breweries in in smaller breweries in China open them up. And then we also putting fruit into the beer came a little bit after that. Um, mm. But we're still we're getting to the point where um, the Chinese market is uh, it's becoming like it's it's the technical levels are getting higher. 
um, the, the knowledge is getting better. And I think people are now starting to think about how can we have Chinese flavors more in beer? Um, we've, we've, we've seen it with like the use of like Sichuan pepper in certain beers, which is like a, if you've ever had Chinese food and your mouth has been numb or your, your lips have been numb, it, it comes through and that's been used in things like wit beers. But it, I think the next step for, for, for Chinese beer, particularly in craft, but we were also seeing it in some of the, the bigger breweries is to um, somehow meld like the, the Chinese culture, Chinese food, and then bring that back into beer. But we're, mm. we're not entirely there yet. I mean, if you look at um, a lot of the smaller brew pubs in China, like still maybe 50% of their sales is just going to be wheat beer, like a Hefeweizen or a wheat beer. It's still yep. a lot of people that, okay, we have this, this, and this, and they'll just go, thank you. I'll just have the wheat beer. You know, it's yeah. still, there's still a lot of work to be done. We're still educators as well as brewers over mm. here in, in a lot of sense. Yeah. But some interesting beers to, to have out here. And I, if you ever make it to China, I would like to show you around. Yeah. I am, I am sure there is, uh, there is plenty of stuff to be, to be learned in every aspect of, uh, of exploration. And I think what you're saying here is, is, uh, quite interesting. Um, we recently did a, um, a podcast with Bandido Brewing from Ecuador, and they're okay. saying a little bit of the same thing. Uh, for the first 10 years, they have been doing the craft beer. It's, uh, more about uh, creating a, a little bit of a knowledge in their local community, uh, more familiar styles, finding their inspiration in um, in the U.S. And then after a while, they um, uh, started to implement uh, local ingredients in a much uh, bigger way. Of course, uh, not hops and malts in, in that sense, but uh, in terms of fruits and spices and herbs and uh, and whatnot. I think um, for me, that's I think that's the only way to... Uh, to do it so have you is there any any um any fruit or ingredient where you have uh you have a, an idea it will work very well in a beer but you have still not uh dared to to put in one um yeah i mean i've played around with a, a few things um it's i'm always trying to um think of ways to do it because um in different parts of china we have some really nice fruits down in yunnan which is closer to the uh, Southeast Asian border we have, but um, one uh, interesting one I did try recently was I used a purple perilla. I think they call it shicho in Japan, and it's like a like a herb, and that's kind of maybe a, an angle I want to go down further. Maybe um, using certain flavors more on the aroma side, and then pairing it with 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 hops to to make something if to make something different rather than too much flavor. The idea. The principle behind it is to have a familiar favor for Chinese drinkers. So when they drink mm. the beer, there's, there's something they already like. It can trigger something in their brain. And like, ah, oh, I recognize this flavor. This is interesting to me. Yeah. So, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like that idea. It's uh, it's trying to create something new without um, creating it uh, um, so different that it's uh, scary for the consumer. I think it's, that's it's, a little bit uh, of Yeah, because I mean, the way I see it with, with, with brewing in China... It's like the gateway drinks to try and get people to want to become more adventurous. You have to kind of, you know, one step at a time to get them mm. to the top of the stairs before they're trying crazy pastry stouts that are 35 Plato. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a journey that thinking of a beer like to be like the gateway beer. So um, Chinese people have to start with something that's easier to drink if they're coming from Qingdao and then 
kind of baby steps that take them up the stairs so you can start with a weed beer then you can go to an ipa then you can go to the big stouts and and, and then slowly take them on this journey so it's a it's we're edu- as i say we're educators as well as you know um trying to teach a lot of chinese drinkers um you know what different styles are out there like with my family it's i've been married to my wife for over 10 years now but now they're they still have a hard time drinking hot forward beers it's too bitter yeah. for them so <laughs> they still got a way yeah. to go yeah one one step at a time right <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> So uh, a little bit of a, uh, of of parting words here in, in in the end. What do you think? What do you think is sort of the the future for for beer in general in, in China? I mean, overall, like the market is is huge, and we're talking like thirty five billion liters a year is consumed <laughs> in China. Um, and now, what we're seeing is the bigger the bigger the bigger players are looking to more the premium market. There's definitely um, a young mid, a middle class, uh, you know, young professionals that are looking to drink some interesting things. I, I see um, beer trying, to, uh, you know, a certain market sector of the market trying to push it into the more premium space. I mean, we've seen ABI recently open up um, 059 Brewery down in Fujian, which is a which is a craft beer a craft beer brand, um, mm. and they also obviously have Goose over there. So I hope I hopefully would like to see the, the the craft beer market develop the education level of drinkers and brewers um, develop over here and eventually um, China having its own styles of beer like in Brazil they have Catarina Zauers I'd like to see mm. um, China being more of a presence on the world stage of beer and yeah. I think. It might take a bit longer, but that's where hopefully I see the industry heading here. Yeah, that's interesting. I uh, I think it's going the right way. As uh, at least I saw at the, the Brussels Beer Challenge that several the the winners were actually from from China. So exactly. nothing uh, nothing uh, wrong with the quality. You just need the uh, uh, you just need more and more people being aware of it. And I think uh, I think we will see China as a very interesting beer country in the in the years to come. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I've been here for, as I say, quite a long time and seen it develop, and I'm still quietly confident that it will continue. I'm just kind of excited to see where it where it where it head up. There's some great some great brewers out here, like you say, and some really passionate people as well. Mm. It's it's um it's still a it's, it's an it's it's an exciting industry over here, and it's still relatively close. There's quite you know the brewers are still quite friendly yeah. between us. Um, helping each other out so it's 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 a nice place to be in the yeah. in the brewing industry and uh, and for anyone who's who's listening i am i am sure you don't mind me plugging your your linkedin uh, site for more information uh just uh just make a search for for neil playfoot on on linkedin you'll you'll find uh, the smiling uh, <laughs> the smiling brewer there and uh, you share some really interesting pieces from uh, from your perspective of uh, being a, a chinese uh, beer uh, consultant and and brewer i think it's uh you're you're, you're making some really good uh good knowledge-based uh articles there which uh, i think people can learn from um, i appreciate that and uh yeah likewise I've, as i said i've been following what you've been doing as well and uh, your education in in norway and beer and food i've really enjoyed those too so yeah thanks yeah thanks for that i appreciate it 
Yeah, good good people seem to to find together in the common interest of of uh, a good drink. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Neil. Uh, I just want to thank you again for for taking the time, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll share a glass in not too long time. I hope so. Well, you know, it's an open invitation. If you're ever in China, you, you have to give me a shout, and uh, if I ever make it back over to Europe, uh, I'll let you know as well. I look forward oh, to a, a beer together one day. That would be good. I already looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for the talk. Okay. All right. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for coming with me to Hunan and uh, listening to my talk with Neil from Nine Rivers Distillery Company. Uh, as mentioned before, this podcast will take you all over the world of fermentation. And that is why in the next episode, we will be heading back to the US. So uh, don't forget to subscribe and get all the episodes from this very first season of Another Round with Plato. And uh, if you didn't listen to the previous episode, well, you should. But also you should take my advice of uh, sharing this podcast with a friend. So the next time you share a cold brew, uh, you have a good topic to discuss from this podcast. Until next time, have fun, drink well and take care.
thank you for coming with me to Quito and for listening to my talk with Nathan from Bandido Brewing. I have said it before, this podcast will take you all over the world of fermentation. And that is why in the very next episode, we will be visiting China. So I hope you have subscribed and that you have shared this podcast with a friend so you have something to talk about the next time you meet up for a cold brew. Until next time, have fun, drink well, and take care.